Well, we're continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount, and we come today to Jesus' teaching on truthfulness in speech. Truthfulness in speech. Today's message is titled, Honest to God. Have you ever used that phrase, honest to God? Well, Jesus talked about that. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to look at this part of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, many years ago, I read a story about a, a woman. She was a wife and a mother. She was going home. And um, as she was headed home, she thought, I need to stop and get something to cook for the family. And uh, this is back in the day where you would walk into a, a meat market or a butcher shop and, and just ask them for a certain cut of meat. And so she walked into the, to the neighborhood butcher shop. And uh, she walked in and she decided she wanted to cook chicken. So, uh, again, this is back when maybe things weren't as transparent. You know, the butcher was behind the counter and the scale was behind the counter. And so nobody could really see the scale except for the butcher. So the, the customers couldn't see how much the, the meat or the chicken, in this case, the fryer, uh, weighed. They just had to trust the butcher. So the woman went up and told... Uh, the butcher, I'd like to have a, a fryer. I'd, I'd like to cook some uh, chicken for my family. So he reached in the barrel. There's a barrel right next to him. He didn't tell her that there was just one fryer left. He just reached for it. He picked it up, put it on the scale, and he told her, well, this is how much it weighs. This is how much it'll cost. And the woman thought, well, that's a little too small. Uh, see if you can uh, give me a bigger one. So he put that one back and he pretended to reach around. There was only one in there, pretended to reach around, got the same one, put it on the scale and said, okay, he said, this is a little bit bigger, weighs this much, it's going to cost this much. He was lying to her and, and the woman thinks about it and she says, okay, I'll, I'll take both of them. You know, we live in a world of dishonesty and deception. Sometimes, we say that we can't trust anybody, everything is fake news, but it might also be true that people can't trust us. How can we practice honesty, honesty of speech, truthfulness in speaking in, in, such a, a, in a world with such deception? You know, essentially the first sin that happened on the earth was a lie because Satan deceived Adam and Eve and he lied to them, and, and they believed him, and that plunged the world into sin, into deception, into destruction. And from that point on, lying became common. In fact, here's how, here's how Paul describes the effects of sin on humanity. In Romans 3.13, here's how he describes the uh, effects of sin on humanity. He writes this, Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their tongues practice deceit. That's an accurate description, right? Because sin has affected everybody's integrity. Children struggle with lying. Adults struggle with it. Senior adults struggle with it also. It's like dishonesty is an epidemic all the way from preschool, actually before preschool, to graduate school, from home to the workplace and school, it's an epidemic. It's often hard to trust people in our society. 
it's hard to trust students at school. A lot of teachers have to rely on websites that will let them know if their students have plagiarized their work. It's hard to trust people in our society. People sometimes lie to make themselves look better. A little exaggeration, right? We might even say, well, it's just hyperbole, but it really is intended to deceive people and, and to make them think better of the person who's exaggerating. People lie to protect themselves from consequences, often to cover up a failure, and they'd rather lie than to confess. People lie to gain something they want. Maybe they want a good grade. Maybe they want a promotion. Maybe they want tax benefits. And so they, they lie. They're dishonest. So in this portion that we come to, in, in Matthew 5, 33, Jesus addresses the abuse of oaths and how dishonesty was so prevalent in the ancient, ancient world. So what we're seeing today in our culture is not new. It's been going on for, for many, many years. So let's turn to our text today in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 33. Matthew 5, 33 reads like this. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is, it is a city of the great king. And do not, do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Well, that really raises a the bar, right, when he says anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And we'll talk about that. But I really, as I, as I looked at this passage, I really think that the, the and let me just give you what I think is kind of the, the big idea here of what Jesus is trying to say here and, and in other parts of Scripture that align with this. And uh, this, um, I don't know, I just felt it was a little clunky, but... Uh, and even this morning, I was changing it around, trying to make it a little clearer, but hopefully uh, you'll get the, the gist of what uh, I, I think uh, this is what Jesus is saying. So here's a big idea. God values honesty, consistency, and truthfulness above misleading promises and loopholes in truthfulness. What God values is honesty, consistency and truthfulness above misleading promises and loopholes in truthfulness. And the reason I believe that is, is that remember what Jesus is doing here. He's expanding on Matthew 520. If you remember Matthew 520, we, we studied this a few weeks back, but uh, we we're coming back to this because each, each of these, he talked, he talked about anger, he talked about uh, lust, he, he talked about uh, you know, murder, he talked, anger and murder, lust, he talked about uh, divorce. And, uh, and all these things, what he's saying is, uh, what he said in Matthew 5.20 is that our righteousness must exceed, must surpass, he said, the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Otherwise, he said, you won't enter into heaven. So what he's doing is he's telling us, here's the righteousness of the Pharisees, but I say unto you, this is what your righteousness should be. 
So when it came to anger, when it came to lust, when it came to divorce, he told us, here's what you've heard it said. Here's what the Pharisees teach. Right? That's the righteousness of the Pharisees. But your righteousness must surpass, must exceed their righteousness. Otherwise, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so the righteousness of the Pharisees, when it came to honesty and speech, the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, was such that it allowed them to find loopholes in the law of Moses so that they really wouldn't have to tell the truth. They did this with all the law, but he's talking here specifically about truth-telling. They would swear oaths, and their, their oath-swearing had turned into very strict rules that gave them permission to say, okay, it's okay to lie here. It's okay to deceive here, when it really wasn't. So in other words, these oaths that they were using uh, were supposed to promote honesty. The reason that God allowed them is because they were supposed to promote honesty, but instead the Pharisees turned it around by looking for loopholes, and they used the, these oaths to encourage lying, to encourage deceit. They used tricky language to swear oaths, and it became an excuse for lying. And so Jesus is saying here, look, I don't want you as my followers to engage in any of this deceitful speech. If anybody plays games, if you're going to be playing games with oaths, Jesus said, I'll just do away with oaths altogether. Because he values honesty, consistency, and absolute truthfulness. He values that much more than fancy words to make misleading promises and vows. And certainly he values that more than being trying to be clever enough to find loopholes. Jesus said, you've got to do better. Your righteousness cannot be the same as the Pharisees who find loopholes that allow them to lie. Your righteousness must not include that. It, it should include speaking truthfully. Now, specifically here, we can get very deep into this, and I don't want to get too deep. Uh, but I do want to at least give you some idea of what Jesus is saying. Specifically, he's addressing a situation where people would rate the importance of their vows or the importance of their promises based on who they made these promises to. The Pharisees interpreted the law to mean that there were actually several degrees, different degrees of lying. Now, we kind of believe the same thing, right? We, we say, well, that's just a little white lie, right? That usually means that's not a big lie. There, there are big lies like, you know, perjury. And then there are little white lies. Well, the, the Pharisees were doing the same thing. They said there are different degrees of lying. And so they taught that the seriousness of the lie depend, depended on the nature of the vow that we took. See, when people would make vows, make promises, and take oaths, they would swear by something. They would make a promise, and they would swear by something. And the closer the thing that they swore uh, to was to the name of the Lord, then the more seriously it was taken. The closer it was to, say, the center of the, of the temple, which was the Holy of Holies, then the more serious the lie was taken. So for that reason, because a temple of God was a place where God dwelt, right? We, we've talked before how 
the, the presence of God no longer dwells in a temple. It no longer dwells in, in a building. We, we use the phrase, we're going to God's house, this is God's house, and that's fine. But the reality is that there's not really a God's house because we're the temple. Individually, we're God's house, and corporately, individually, we're the, spirit, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and corporately, we're the temple of God. So when we gather, we're the temple, and wherever we gather, that's where we're the temple, right? But that's fine. We, we say we're going to God's house, and I, and I, I mean, I get that. That's n- not, nothing wrong with that, except we got to understand that in the Old Testament, there really was a God's house, and that's where God's presence was, as evidenced by the, the Ark of the Covenant in the center of the temple, of, you know, the Holy of Holies. And so if somebody swore an oath by the name of God or they swore by the temple, which was, you know, where God's presence was, and they were invoking the presence of God. So if they said, I'm telling you the truth, I swear to God. I'm not lying, honest to God is what we say, right? Yeah. That, that man, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm swearing this oath by God himself, by his temple, by his presence. And so the interpretation of the Pharisees was that if you say that and you're lying, that's more serious than if you swear by my own life, right? Or if you swear by something else. You know, may, may God take all my money if I'm not telling you the truth. You know, if you're swearing by something else, that's okay, but if you swear by the temple or by God, then that's a lot more serious. And uh, again, that's not so different from us today, right? In the culture of our world, in every culture all over the world, the second that a, a new law is passed, people begin to look for loopholes. And so Jesus is, is dealing with that. Not just here, but in Matthew 23. Look at Matthew 23, beginning with verse 18. Sorry, with verse 16. Matthew 23, 16. Uh, Jesus says this, Woe to you, he's talking to the Pharisees, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar is bound, or anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind man, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone, this is important, verse 22, anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Now, first of all, do you see the extent that the Pharisees went to in using tricky language to try to find loopholes here? You, they would say, now, you say I swear by that, but... I'm not really bound by that oath. But if I swear by this, then I'm really bound by it. I mean, it's just, it's really the equivalent. Remember when we were kids? The equivalent of what we did as kids when we told a lie, but we had our fingers crossed behind our backs. Y'all ever do that? <laughs> you told an untruth, but you got your fingers crossed back here. Hope you didn't do that as adults, too. Right? It's like, I know I'm, I said I promised, but I had my fingers crossed. 
So, but here's what Jesus is saying. Here's how he answered this. He said, look, God is a creator. He's a sustainer. He's the owner of everything. And God is everywhere. A theological word is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And therefore, you're always in God's presence. So you might say, well, I didn't swear by the temple. Doesn't matter. You're in God's presence. The Lord is always standing before you. Everything you, everything you think, say, and do, you're always in God's presence. So you can try to use fancy language and tricky language and say, well, I didn't, I know I said I would do that, but I didn't really mean it or I didn't really understand it. No, Jesus is saying, you can't get away with finding loopholes. There are no loopholes when it comes to speaking truthfully. Now, Jesus prohibited because of that, because of their misuse. He prohib prohibited then the, the use of, he says, don't, don't use any oaths. Well, what he's really saying is, you know, he, he, he was tired of them using the misleading oaths. But he really didn't intend to prohibit every use of oaths and, and, uh, or all use of oaths. And the reason I, I know this is because Jesus himself took oaths. Paul took an oath. God, Hebrews tells us, God takes oaths. So he's not really saying you can never take an oath. Some people take this very literally. Uh, there are some people, for example, um, you may not know this, but the Quakers, the Quaker religion, they don't take oaths. Richard Nixon was a Quaker. I remember uh, when he was... When he was elected president, I was still a child, but I remember clearly my parents were watching the Republican National Convention. And uh, I remember people, it's, I just images I had, you know, I was about 10 years old, I guess. And I remember the, the floor was filled with people and people had these uh, signs, big signs and um, with images of Richard Nixon, and uh, I just have that image. So anyway, he, he, he got nominated, he won. But because he was a Quaker at his swearing-in, he didn't take an oath of office because that was against their beliefs. So instead, he simply affirmed it. He affirmed his oath, but he didn't take the oath. We should have known right then, right? We should have known right then. But uh, some people just take it seriously. They take it seriously. But if, if Jesus meant you can never take an oath, then some of you are in trouble. He would be in trouble too because he took an oath, as I said. Paul did. God takes oaths. But how many of you have taken an oath? If you've been in the military, you've taken an oath. If you've gotten married, you've taken an oath. and They're called vows, right? Maybe for your job, you have to take an oath of office uh, of some kind. And so many of us have taken oaths, oaths in court, marital vows, oaths of office, and the use of other oaths on solemn occasions just to emphasize one's truthfulness. And, and, and those things align both with biblical teaching and with Christian practice. So the idea is not that we can't do that. But what he, uh, Jesus, is prohibiting is misleading oaths. Misleading oaths. But the, the bigger point is that we, we should not do what many in our culture do, and that is to speak deceptively while we're hiding the truth. 
to speak deceptively while we're hiding the truth. And so let me give you three quick things here that I think we need to remind ourselves. And th this is not anything I don't think that is uh, new to you, but some reminders. First of all, what, what the scripture tells us is that we must be truthful. Be truthful in your speech. Be truthful in your speech. Proverbs 12, 22 reads like this. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. No loophole. No loophole. And, and by the way, I should uh, tell you that there, uh, there, uh, there's always some nuance. I mean, I and, and I don't see that as a loophole. I remember many years ago, we were still meeting at Coburn, and, we, and, and I asked a, a question. We had a very interesting discussion on a Wednesday night about when is it okay not to tell the truth. If somebody comes to your house and they're looking to kill somebody in your house, one of your children, do you lie and tell them they're not here? You know, so we had that discussion. There's nuance, right? Right? But don't consider that a loophole. Uh, if you know the story of Corey Ten Boom, how many of you know who Corey Ten Boom was and how she saved many Jews from being killed uh, during the time of, uh, you know, the uh, World War II and, and how Hitler was killing the Jews. And, and so there had to be some deceiving of the evil people. There had to be some deceiving of people who had, uh, you know, uh, corrupt heart and were intent on killing innocent people. Uh, so there's nuance there. But here's... The, the principle that I think we need to live by is that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. That means no lying. That means no exaggerating. That means no distorting. No shading the truth. Speaking the truth is absolutely necessary for trust. So we're talking about our regular communication. We're not talking about World War II or protecting somebody from evil people. We're talking about our regular communication, our daily communication. Speaking the truth is absolutely necessary for trust. And speaking the truth brings great freedom for your life. I found a quote by a man named Thomas Fuller who lived in the 17th century. He was a British scholar. He was a preacher. And uh, I read that he was considered to be one of the most witty and prolific authors of the 17th century. And here's what he wrote about this. He said, if I speak what is false, I must answer for it. But if I speak what is truth, truth will answer for me. If I speak what is false, I must answer for it. But if I speak what is truth, truth will answer for me. So there's protection Somebody once said that the, the person uh, who always tells the truth never has to remember anything. But if you're lying, you got to remember, what did I say? Did I, how did I say this? But if you're telling the truth, you don't have to worry about that. So commit yourself to speaking the truth at all times. And I, I know it will revolutionize your life. The second thing is this. I said, first of all, be truthful in your speech. Secondly, be careful what you do promise. Be careful what you promise. Here's what Ecclesiastes 5.2 says. Solomon wrote this. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. 
After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth. So let your words be few. By the way, Ecclesiastes 5, go home and read that. The beginning of this chapter speaks a lot more deeply into this. But let me just share one more verse from this chapter. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 reads, It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. And he says, because God is in heaven, we're on earth. In other words, God is always a witness to what we say and do. So we need to be careful about what we promise. Again, we can't use the loopholes that the Pharisees tried to use. We can't say, well, I didn't actually say the word promise or, or whatever other excuses we might use for not being truthful. Don't be hasty. Don't be rash. Make sure you anticipate all potential obstacles before you give your word for something. That's just wise. It's just wise. And always leave room for God's will. If God wills it. I, I mean, that's a good phrase to attach to all your plans and promises. James talks about this some in his letter. I love that growing up in the Mexican-American culture, and I'm guessing in other uh, Latin, Latino cultures as well, I love that we always would hear our parents say, Si Dios quiere, right? Si nos vemos mañana, si Dios quiere. I think that's great. I think that's accurate. I think we need to keep that in mind. You know, okay, I understand. I, I want to do this, and, and I'll do this for you. Uh, but always knowing, you know, if it's God's will, if something else, if God shows me it's not His will, again, not, not as an excuse, but simply to understand that we need to be careful with what we promise. Thirdly, I think we learn from the Word of God that we must be faithful in following through. We must be faithful in following through. Uh, we're not going to read this, but in, in Psalm 15, the psalmist asks the question, Who may ascend your holy hill? Who may come before your presence? And it goes through a list, you know, people who have uh, clean hands. And among the answer to that is those who keep their promises even when it's hard. Those that keep their promises even when it's hard. So speak the truth from your heart. And once you've given your word, be faithful in following through even when it hurts. Did you say yes? Then follow through with your yes. Did you say no? Then make sure you follow through with your no. Something happened uh, this week to me that uh, doesn't happen a whole lot. It didn't really happen to me. I, it's something I did, but I pick up, uh, I had carriers with me. I was going to say pick her from school, but she's not in school right now. But uh, when she's not in uh, Mother's Day out or something like that, she spends a day with, with my wife in the morning, then with me in the afternoon. And so uh, I took her to Sonic, which she loves to go to Sonic. Right. So got her a drink and a pretzel. And then I said, I've got to go to, uh, to Walmart. So she said, oh, can I have a candy? She asked for a specific candy. And I said, no. I said, I, you know, and she was like, what? <laughs> you said no to me? And I had to document it. I texted my daughters and I said, let it be known that I said no to Karis. You know, so they were like, oh, shocking, you know. But here's why I say that. 
when I got there, I thought, well, maybe I should go ahead and give her a candy. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just it was a little candy. It wasn't that much. You know, so. uh, but I stuck to my guns because I had said no. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't I, I, I don't really say that to pat myself on the back because I think it's the first time in a long time I've said no to her. But uh, did you say yes and follow through with your yes? Did you say no, then follow through with your no? That's part of uh, what I think it means when Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Be people of truth. Be people of honor. Be people of integrity. We shouldn't require an oath based on loopholes for our word to be true. Our word should be true at all times. We shouldn't say, well, I didn't actually say the word promise or any other loophole. Our word should be yes or no and without re it requiring some kind of you know, fancy words. When Jesus said, let your, let your word be yes, he was using the word logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos, which can be translated as word, but also can be translated as speech or communication. So he's talking here that not, uh, not just our oaths that we make, public oaths should be true, but everything that we say, our daily conversations, we should avoid, as I said, exaggerations, should avoid Half truths, our words must be truthful at all times. One last thing that we learn from this, and that is this. When we speak honestly, when we speak honestly, we guard ourselves from the evil one. We guard ourselves from Satan himself. Did you catch what Jesus said in Matthew 5.37? He said, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I read that and I think, wow, that's kind of harsh. Right? Well, but you've got to remember, Satan is a liar. And he's the father of lies. So when we practice dishonesty, we not only model the devil, but we open the door for him to use us. We open the door for him to speak through us. Remember that Satan spoke through Peter? Remember that time when he spoke through Peter in order to try to convince Jesus not to go to the cross? And Jesus had to speak to him forcefully and say, get thee behind me, Satan. And I, I think, you know, we're no less vulnerable to the enemy's tactics when we accept lies. We accept lies and we, we begin to repeat lies. We're allowing uh, we're placing ourselves in a situation where we might be tempted to allow Satan to use our lips to deceive, to discourage, to destroy, because that's what Satan does. We must be aware of this reality. Guard ourselves. You guard yourselves from Satan's attacks to use you as, uh, as a person who tells lies, who repeats lies when you, re when you believe the lies and when you practice them, when you're not being truthful. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells us that we protect ourselves from Satan attacks, Satan's attacks. And one of the ways we do this is by putting on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. And so the belt of truth is, is God's word. God's word is true. God's word is truth. And we've got to know God's word if we're going to stand against the evil one. If we're going to stand against his lying, his deceptions. We must not only know God's word, but we must speak God's word. In Joshua 1, when God commissioned Joshua to lead, lead Israel, 
God told him that he would be successful as a leader if he would meditate in God's word day and night. And he would, if he would never allow it to depart from his lips. And so Joshua was continually talking about God's word. He, he, he was to teach it. He was to encourage others with it. And I believe this promise is for all of us today. We must know God's truth and speak it to ourselves, speak it to others. And by doing that, we leave no room for the devil in our lives. I mean, if I'm going to live a life of, of integrity, of honesty and speech and communication, that I've got to speak the truth, including God's word. Let me finish with this. When I was a child, we sang a kid's song in church that spoke about being careful with our lives. And maybe some of you sang the song. It went something like this. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. How many of you sang that song? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. So we sang it in Spanish too. Cuidado mis ojitos al mirar, mis manitas al tocar. We, it was like a whole song of consecration. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little uh, hands, what you touch. Little feet, where you go. But there was one stanza about what we say. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. Now, I didn't know that back then. I was a kid. But what theology. What great theology. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, God is all around you. You can't hide from him. You can't say, well, I didn't make the promise in the temple. Or I didn't swear to God. I just... Swore to whatever. Jesus said, doesn't matter. He's looking at you. He's up above. Ecclesiastes said, God is in heaven and you're on earth. The song says, for the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. He's always your witness. And this kid's song, this children's song, maybe will help you to remember this week that he's our witness. He's looking down in love, not to zap us. Not to catch us in a lie, but because he wants us to be truthful. And so today I want us to conclude by simply asking God to help us be truthful, to keep our word. And again, as, as adults, as adult men and women who know that life is complex, there's always nuance to this. But when it comes to our communication with each other, that we might always be truthful, be men and women of integrity, that we wouldn't requ require an oath so that people would believe and know that we're telling the truth. I need God's help to do this. I think we all do. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today just thanking you for your word, the things that you have helped us to understand and to draw out, draw out because your word is true and your word is life changing. Not only do I believe that your words are inerrant, there are no errors, but I also believe it's infallible, which means that it can't mislead us. It can't deceive us. 
And Lord, we're not infallible. We're not inerrant. And so we need your help. I need your Holy Spirit. In my daily communications, as, a, as an adult, I'm, I'm tempted to take shortcuts and I'm tempted to shade the truth a little bit. But God, I know that you detest that. I know you hate that. Help me to be truthful. Help us all to be truthful. And in doing that, that our words would glorify your name. I need you, God. Every hour, I need you. You're my righteousness. You're my one defense, and you're my righteousness. And so I look to you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.